After a thrilling Game 7 win atop an improbable series comeback against the Penguins, the Rangers came back down on Earth Wednesday night in Carolina with a gut-wrenching 2-1 to loss in overtime. The Blue Shirts trail the series 1-0. Should they be concerned? Can they win this round? We'll chat with the post Larry Brooks about it. So join Ron Duguay and Molly Walker for an Eastern Conference semifinals edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post next. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. (laughs) And in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. (laughs) I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. Couple different persons. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court seat. side, and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Wow. Okay. You went from the highest of highs. A game seven overtime win after coming back from down three to one to a game one loss down in Carolina, two to one in overtime. And we are here to talk about it. The post Larry Brooks will join us, of course, later in the show. But first, let's bring in the host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the post fresh off a fried chicken biscuit sandwich from Bojangles down in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's Molly Walker and her co-host, a Rangers great from his cozy home in Florida, number 10, Ron Duguay. Take it away, Ronnie. What do you think about game one? Well, let's just back up. And I guess our apologies for not having done anything after the series against Pittsburgh. I, I think I'm part of the reason why we did, because I got to tell you, I was, uh, well, we're very pleased that they moved on, but the way they played, against Pittsburgh the last three games. I was so disappointed with how they uh, their playmaking skill. It, it, it felt like they had lost their game, but they hung in there. They hung in there by a thread, and they found a way to win. And going against Carolina, I didn't have a lot of hope in how the Rangers were playing and how they were going to compete against what we think is the best team in the NHL, the favorites. According to Wayne Gretzky, Carolina is the favorite team to win the Stanley Cup. But last night they played, and sure enough, the Rangers came back in the first two periods. They looked incredible. Their game was back. When I say their game, I'm talking about puck control, decisions with the puck. They looked so good. And then they ended up in overtime, and of course, Carolina came back in the third period. We knew they were going to come back, find a way. But overall, the way the Rangers played... I'm so enthused, so excited because uh, I am a Ranger fan. I want them to win. And so a lot to talk about today. Molly, um, Molly, I, I got to um, make a mention. Philip Heedle is playing like a man, something that we've been waiting for. Him and Lafreniere, the kid line looks so good. And so your thoughts on Philip Heedle? I don't even know who this Philip Heedle is. The guy that came out before game five, it was right then and there. 
when he opened his mouth, I remember looking around the room and just being like, is this number 72? Like, is this, is this Filipino? He sounds like a five-year veteran of this team for the first time in his entire NHL career. And he's playing like it too. That's my thing is he's not just doing it on the ice, but he's suddenly got a little bit of a leadership voice to him too. And I just think that's so great for him because just with his career in New York, it just has been a very steady progression. Haven't seen that big breakout season yet. Haven't seen that jump, whether he should be a center or a winger. You know, there's just so much to his story in New York. But I just, I genuinely feel like before game five, there was a turning point in that kid. There was just something that clicked, switched, whatever it is. Since then, when, every time we've spoken to him, he's just been so eloquent in, in articulating what he feels like this team needs to hear. And he's been spot on every time. And even last night after game one, Really disappointing loss. And he's out there sitting next to Mika Zibanejad. They usually trot out guys like Jacob Truba, guys with A's on their chest. Filipino was there because suddenly, out of nowhere, he's acting like a leader. So if we're going to start this show with the positives, that's got to be my headlining one right there. And like you said, Ron, the kid line has been tremendous this entire postseason. They've been their most consistent line. And last night, they were the best line on the ice out of both teams entirely. It was crazy. The way they produce, they're responsible defensively. But like you said, Ron, the Rangers as a whole through the first two periods, it was some of the best two periods of the season, especially against this team. They're keeping them to the outside, not giving up anything in the middle. It was just they were combating Carolina as best as they possibly could, but they didn't break open the game when they had the chance. They had them right where they wanted them. That's what I wrote as my lead today in my article. They had them. They had them on the defense. They were getting their shots. But, you know, that was also a testament to Ronta. Ronta was really great last night for Carolina. He stopped a lot of shots. Of course, Capo Caco missed a wide open net. We can get into that in a little bit. But when you let that happen, once the game breaks open a little bit in the opponent's favor with a team like Carolina, you know they're going to net the equalizer. And then you know they're going to finish the job in overtime. Huge missed opportunity for the Rangers. And I asked Heedle, you know, how do you not let this get too deflating? And, you know, he talked about they got practice today. They're going to have their good meetings. And they want to take all the positives that they can from that game one and bring it into game two because there were a lot of positives that they could build upon and that they that could help them try to even this series. Well, I'm going to agree with you on a lot of those things. Well, everything. I, the One of the things I said, because I've been through playoff hockey as a young man, because in my second season, we end up going to Stanley Cup Finals. I know what it meant to me, how I grew as a man. By the second round, I really felt the energy and the excitement. And I felt like I needed to produce as a young guy. I needed to produce, make a contribution. So you feel it. And you want to be part of it. And uh, by the time we played against the Islanders, well, that was the ultimate. Beating them and then going to playing against Montreal. And after that, that kind of set me off for my career. So I think we're seeing kind of the same thing. Either you're going to be afraid of it or you love the challenge and take your game to the next level. And I think that's what we're seeing with Hedl, which is a good thing. And Lafreniere. I mean, Lafreniere, I was a little hard on him during this season where I felt like, you know what? I, I'm not seeing this player who uh, they picked first overall. But now this kid is competing 
physically going after players, managing the puck. He looks like he's a real threat right now. So uh, one of the things that Larry, that we're going to be talking to soon said, listen, if a team goes deep in the playoffs, you need that third line. It could be a rookie line or it could be whatever line, but that third line needs to produce. And that's what we're seeing. And so all the elements are there right now that this team, as much as it looked like they struggled through against Pittsburgh, which I think they did, I've said it, if they can get through the first round with this young group, they're going to have a taste of what it feels like, and they're going to know what it's going to take to go to the next round. And the way they're playing Carolina, they're not intimidated by this team. They are not intimidated. They're not afraid of them. They know they have the skill to be able to score. All they have to do is find a way. And they were one of the best teams defensively, the Rangers and Carolina, and they played that way last night. And so once I saw that, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this team has an opportunity to beat Carolina, even though they're a favorite. So a lot of good things that we saw last night. And Molly, I just want to go back to before the series started, you made your prediction. So your prediction, according to what you saw last night, kind of reflect back on that prediction. No, you know, I still I still stand by my prediction. I think that the Rangers will get two games here. I do. You know, it might not be Friday night because if I'm going to predict about Friday night, I think the Hurricanes are going to be coming out guns a-blazing. I think that they were mortified with how game one went. I think that they're going to make their adjustments and they're not going to let the Rangers dictate the pace of play like they did because that's Carolina's bread and butter. Like that's how they, that's how they work. That's how they operate. They control the tempo. They, they're just a North North, North, North team. <laughs> Forget South. They run through you North. And I think that they're really going to come, you know, come back for game two and they really are not going to want to let that happen again. But regardless, I still do think the Rangers will get two games here um, at the very least, maybe one. I don't know. But, I, you know, the Hurricanes are just they're a whole different beast. They really are. And, you know, like the Rangers, they have that way about them of finding ways to win. But, you know, I think Adam Fox said it best pregame for game one. You know, we were talking about how many games they came from behind and, you know, how many games they've won that they probably shouldn't have. And you know what he said? He was like, you know, I think with this young group, I don't think we know any better. That's an advantage to them. I think, you know, if they just harness that, they don't know any better, but they can still pull out these wins and do it how they do it. This is this. These are the Rangers like this is how they do it. This is how they they get their wins. And I thought it was a very interesting one liner from from Fox, because I I do feel like it's it's a pretty accurate evaluation of this young Rangers team. They don't they don't know any better. This is how they've won games. This is how they've won games all year. This is how they were competing with Carolina for first in the Metropolitan Division. This is who they are. So I think that it's an identity thing and, and it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they're pushing their luck. They they continue to push their luck and and in these playoffs it's gonna run out eventually. Let me add to that. So the Rangers win the first two periods, Caroline comes back, wins the third. Then overtime, to me, I wanted to see what overtime was going to look like. Was it going to be a carryover to the third period where Carolina controlled the pace and everything? And it wasn't. So the Rangers went in, and it was pretty much even. Yes, they end up scoring a goal on a just a shot on net. So I think that is a tell. I believe that even though Carolina can force their way of playing their game, I think the Rangers can compete with them. I think if the Rangers play with their A game, they're not intimidated, they play fast, control the puck, as they did the first two periods, I think it's going to be tighter and closer than you think because they have the manpower to be able to do it. So it'll be interesting on Friday 
how they play that first period. But I believe the Rangers can compete with them, play at their pace, and uh, play with strength, dump the puck in because everyone's finishing their checks. By the way, finishing your check, you talk about Adam Fox, every time he touches the puck, I mean, they're, uh, they're bumping into him. Somehow, they're even skating that a little extra to run into him and make sure that he's touch, he's being touched. So Adam Fox got his hand full, but he's so calm and relaxed, he's able to absorb the hit. That, you know, if you're tight, that's when you get hurt. But he's so nice and relaxed that I don't think it's going to affect him. And I think he just finds, hey, this is the way it is that it's going to be. And But Adam Fox continues to be the player that he is. But the player I want to talk about right now is, is Tyler Mott. A nice surprise. I think that Chris Jury made a mention uh, this past week that he thought, wow, Mott, I didn't realize how valuable he is. They got him thinking, well, he could be a nice piece, but he's playing really well. He is. He's. I call him a little energizer bunny out there because he's not the biggest guy, but you always notice him because he's just got such a jump in his step. He's great on the penalty kill. And I mean, I'll be honest, I genuinely didn't think he was going to be back in the first round at all. I, I really didn't, um, especially with the way the Rangers phrased his injury. They said it was significant. You know, I'm thinking it's a separated shoulder, maybe a fractured collarbone, who knows? Cause they he got run into absolutely just huge hit in a game against the Penguins. I think it was on April 7th. So he missed a, a decent amount of time. And, but then suddenly he was just on the ice. There he was <laughs> just practicing with the team. So uh, obviously it was really exciting for them and it definitely gave them a really big boost, but I feel like the Rangers after game one, that was the first game where, Ron, I agree with you, where I felt like they could hang with this team. I really did. Dating back to the bubble, I mean, throughout the entire regular season, the only win that the Rangers had over Carolina was that game where Georgiev just had played the game of his career, absolutely stole a win. But all four games that they played in the regular season, they were outplayed by Carolina by a tremendous margin. But last, or game one, I really, that was the first time where I was like, wow, they, they can hang with Carolina. And no matter what, you know, getting out of the first round against Pittsburgh, the game seven, this is all such valuable experience for these young guys and, you know, valuable experience for the team as a whole. And I think that they're going to be better for this playoff run no matter what. So, you know, Ranger fans, you know, don't fret. <laughs> it's, it's still a successful season, literally no matter what happens in this round in my book. And obviously it's disappointing and, you know, you want your team to win and you want your team to go on. But really, if you're going to look like you can hang with Carolina for the first time all season, I think that's a major W. Yeah, well, another reason is that Shesterkin. I mean, the way he played last game, because he uh, didn't have his A game against Pittsburgh. Coach hung in there with him. And sure enough, last night, you get that little bit of time off, that little bit of confidence and knowing you're in the second round. Sure enough, he played really well. So if Shesterkin keeps playing the way he is right now, I think that could be the deciding factor. I am a little surprised that the Carolina crowd isn't following suit with Pittsburgh because, (laughs) and I mean, Sorry, Ranger fans. I hope there are no Carolina fans listening to this, but that would be that would be my course of action if I'm a Carolina fan. Don't tell I them mean, what to do. They're doing their hospitality. Molly. I know. I was like, maybe I should. There's no Carolina fans listening to this. Let's be real. Like, let's be real. But I mean, that was huge, huge for for him not to have them taunting him and not to have them on on his case like they were in Pittsburgh. And I, I definitely think it matters. Like, I think that he was a lot more rattled by playing in that building than he ever thought he would be. And 
they the Rangers feed off of his calmness and collectiveness and net and it rattled the rest of the lineup. So, I mean, I was a little surprised at how well granted the Rangers were playing so well that that's why the Carolina crowd was so quiet for, I would say, 45 minutes or so, almost 50 minutes. Ron, if they start doing it next game, we blame Molly for. Yeah, the I will take full to... responsibility. Like I will remove myself because unlike <laughs> unlike the Hurricanes, we don't ban people from subscribing. They ban New Yorkers. Uh... From tickets, so we're going <laughs> to we're not going to ban you guys from listening. You're welcome to tune into this program. But- don't listen to that last part. <laughs> yeah, well, let me add to that. You know why they're not chanting his name, the fans? Because they're so confident in their team. They're not afraid of him. Like in Pittsburgh, they were afraid of him. They thought if they're going to lose, it's going to be Shesterkin. And so if the Carolina fans were watching him play against Pittsburgh, they thought, oh, no big deal, right? But you watch. If he starts winning a couple of games, that chant may come back. <laughs> you know, I, I think I heard that there was an Igor chant at a Pirates game <laughs> during this series. They have to talk about hockey because the Pirates are terrible. So. I, I mean, I just, I mean, I love, you know, the whole city, you know, sports teams banding together. It's it's literally my thing. So when I heard that, I was like, you know what? Like, that's pretty crazy. You know, that's, that's I'm not going to say it was funny, <laughs> but good for Pittsburgh. I guess. Molly, what was that crowd like? Because there was a picture that blew up of all the Rangers fans close to the ice. I think that was before the game. And a lot of people just uh, snuck down before the game. But were there a ton of Rangers fans? And uh, what was I mean, I, I imagine the atmosphere was nowhere near PPG paints in Pittsburgh. No, it definitely. I mean, there's a huge no matter what PNC Arena t- tries to do, you know, barring nobody can buy tickets if you don't have their version of a tri-state, you know, address. It's not something that's so out of the realm, out of left field that they do. It's not like a cheap thing that they're doing. A lot of teams do it, but there's a lot of Ranger fans that live in Carolina. So I think that they knew that already and they wanted to limit it as much as they can because the Ranger fans that were in attendance were heard i will tell you that they made sure that they were heard they were going back and forth like they were doing the let's go canes can't chant and then they were echoing back the let's go ranger it was great it was it was awesome they the upper deck would break out in a let's go rangers chant every once in a while and they were definitely sprinkled blue shirts in that in that crowd yeah i i love that uh the it wasn't like that with the Islander ranger fans i mean it, it would get ugly but you love the uh respectful compete against each other the fans the loud noise all of that that's what you like to see you don't want to see fights breaking out so hopefully all that will continue now molly should we be overly excited of uh, sammy blade possibly coming back after the acl injury only if I, I don't think that he's going to come back this series. But then again, I said the same thing about Mott. You know, it's they're so shady with the injuries. And that's why I've started to do like my own independent reporting on it, because you can't trust anything that Galant says when it comes to the injuries. Like and and all the teams are it's so weird. It's it's the most annoying thing ever as a member of the media, the upper body, lower body. I'm not even talking about that and talking about like oh, we're going to leave the door open. But in our minds, we know there's absolutely no chance of him coming back or vice versa, whatever it may be. Blay was on the ice for the first time with the team since he suffered his injury in mid-November. Just a quick refresher, he tore his ACL in the corner in a play with Subban, and it was bad. Uh, He had to wait like a couple extra months to actually have the surgery because the swelling was so significant that they had to wait for it to go down. So he was already behind in his rehab but he was back on the ice he was in a non-contact jersey 
Um, obviously still looks very light on his skates is, you know, skating a bit gingerly. So they're not going to throw him into the fire. I don't think unless he's really a hundred percent ready, you know, he needs to get back into game action. He's been away for so long. So I think that if the Rangers were to advance, I think the third round would be late in the third round might be a possibility, but otherwise uh, I don't see it happening uh, this series, but great sign for him. Obviously it was a huge, it was a loss for the Rangers. He's going to be an RFA this summer. So I felt bad for him to, for him to get such a significant injury in a contract year, really tough. And then with Barkley Goudreau, same thing. I, I really don't think that he'll be a possibility in this series. He's still in a walking boot and he's still not skating. And I was told that, you know, he's making progress, but the words that were used were it's a long shot for him to actually play this series, but come round three, that's, that's, uh, that's their best bet. Molly, you missed a good opportunity to sing there, leave the door open. Silk Sonic. I was very disappointed. Uh, you really set that up perfectly. Ron, what, what is your official series? Molly is hurricanes and six. I'm Rangers in seven. What was your uh, series prediction here? Well, let's back up. Molly and I, when we look at the Pittsburgh series, both you and our producers, you and Andrew, both predicted that that game would go to game seven, right? No, it was just Andrew. Andrew said it was. No, I said it too, but I'm always Mr. Positive. So, yeah. Andrew, Andrew is the real homie. Yeah, Andrew, you want to get on here and just kind of glow over your prediction? <laughs> I don't want to glow over anything. I'm, I'm quite happy that uh, I, I was able to help keep the faith. But if anyone who listened, though, would hear me say that they would win game seven but i didn't feel too good about this round so while i hope the rangers do win the series and go on to round three i am more inclined to side with molly on this one it's either going to be carolina in six or carolina in five unfortunately but still can't complain i mean that was an exciting series but uh, i'm glad at least that prediction paid off well for me okay you just don't sound as confident as you did against pittsburgh come on andrew i want to be it's hard I really to be, do. it's hard to be with it's carolina hard to be. On the other yeah, exactly okay uh, jake let me answer your question you had asked me my prediction before the series before watching last night i would have said possibly the Rangers are going to go down in four possibly because I just their playmaking really sucked I mean I'm like what happened to their game uh, puck decisions giveaways dump ins face-offs everything just did not look good and so I would have said eh, possibly four maybe five but now after watching a play last night this is going six possibly seven and I wouldn't say I, I'm not going to say the Rangers are going to win, but they're going to give them all of what they have, which is going to be quite a bit. And it's going to be a good series to watch. I look forward to this series because you can see they're not afraid, intimidated by Carolina. All right. Negative Nancy and pessimistic Peter over here down down below. All right. Well, Larry Brooks is joining second. Molly, I mean, can we just send our thoughts and prayers to you for having Pittsburgh and Raleigh. And listen, if they played the Bruins, you would have had a, the Zoom ass reunion up there uh, in uh, Boston for that. You could have had uh, the, the, you had the picture by the pool. Florida could still have Tampa if they go to round three. So, you yes. know, that's, that's my light at the end of the tunnel. Third time's guys. the charm, right, Molly? But uh, <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what, what the hell are you doing? You staying at the Red Roof Inn and uh, getting Bojangles? What are you doing, Raleigh? Well, I'm not going to reveal my hotel like I did on WFAN, like a bonehead. <laughs> I did that for Pittsburgh. Did you have fans was... waiting outside the hotel? No, thank God. But if I did have stalkers, which I don't, thank God, like if I did, I 100% would have could have had people camping out of my room 
So I was such a bonehead move by me, but whatever. And the hotels, you know, it's just, it's Raleigh, you know, it's kind of what it is. Like the hotels just aren't that nice in general, but I mean, you know, we're doing what we can, you know, we, uh, Larry and I had a nice uh, lunch in the hotel restaurant. We were able to sit outside. At least it's beautiful. It's that like hot, like, you know, dry heat kind of weather, which I absolutely love. So at least the weather is really nice. There's barely any clouds in the sky. So for those reasons, love Raleigh, love Rollywood, making the most of it. Well, you said you had post. I mean, we could chat about it in a minute with Larry, but you had post game uh, soiree uh, drinks with Larry. We went to drinks last night after the game. <laughs> I mean, it, since the pandemic, I mean, it's just there's everywhere, every city. There are so many bars that are still operating on COVID hours. So they're closing at like 10, 11, if we're lucky, midnight. So every place that we went to was closing in five minutes after the game. So we finally found one bar that was open till 2 a.m. And it was one of those. Apparently, it's a thing in Raleigh where you have to like become a member in order to come. <laughs> it's like a thing in, in, I guess, the South or maybe just Raleigh in general. But you have to like become a member to come into the bar. So all of uh, the writers and I, we, we went to the, it was a it was definitely a divey bar. That's for sure. <laughs> Not in New York City anymore. Pool table. You have more to be like, a member to play pool. Yeah. You more like a bathroom that said whatever on the on the door. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and oh, uh, really? <laughs> really? And uh, you know, was there a like, picture? <laughs> yeah, no, literally just said no. whatever. And then there was a yeah, urinal and a stall. So whatever oh, love it. anybody can use it it's yeah. like the msg media bathroom there you go yes <laughs> it is like the co-ed media bathrooms they, they are two in the same the the dumpster dive bar in raleigh and and the media bathroom at msg <laughs> like the same exact thing how about that well we'll talk about larry about the whatever bathroom and the dumpster dive bar on up in the blue seeds next have you had ramen noodles in your life ron no <laughs> Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending <laughs> three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. <laughs> because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, guys were walking around in their bathrooms like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We it's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome in the great Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy. Read him at nypost.com in the physical copy of the paper and our favorite Post Sports Plus. Larry, on the road again. I apologize for having to spend even more <laughs> consecutive hours with me, but I think you're handling it just fine. Thanks, Molly. You're welcome. Getting into game one, I feel like I have to start with, you know, something that I don't want to start with, but I feel like it's important. Artemi Panarin, just more often than not in this postseason, obviously he had the big game winner. 
the other night to force them to go to the next round. But Artemi Panarin, just what are you seeing from him? What's the disconnect here? I know he has a has a history in the playoffs. He's had one good season, I think he said in, in Columbus. He wasn't that good in the postseason for Chicago. Just what are your thoughts on Panarin? Well, I'm baffled because I'm 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 seeing I, I haven't seen this player before in his three years in New York. I just haven't seen this guy. So I I just wonder if he's if he's playing through something. His his game now is so unrecognizable. He you know he has it it doesn't seem like he has you know that that special burst. He, you know he doesn't have the quick step. He he's hesitant. He looks like somebody who is looking for his game and i I'm, I'm just not sure you know it's i don't i don't think it's a player in a slump i think it's a player who has um you know something's something's off and uh yeah they're not they're not going to be able to win the series if he plays this way and if his line plays the way they did in game one and you know it just won't happen we were all talking about this in the bar last night and yes all of us writers are still talking about the game well after it's <laughs> well after it's ended but the andrew cop ryan strom debate i feel like earlier in the season or at least you know after the rangers acquired cop at the trade deadline the question was one or the other both neither are they going to price themselves out of new york but aside from the first three games from Andrew Kopp, they just, he hasn't done much for them. Strom hasn't done much for them. Where, you know, how is this going to impact their contract negotiations at the end of the season? Well, I, th- I think it informs the contract negotiations for both players. Both players rejected contracts from, from, their, from their team, Strom from the Rangers, Kopp from Winnipeg. So, you know, they understood, they both understood that, you know, they were betting on themselves and, and this is the time that you bet on yourself. I, I'm not sure. Again, I, I, I wonder about Kopp because uh, his, his play has, has kind of fallen off. He's, listen, he's really good on penalty killing. He's a very, very valuable player. I think the numbers will dictate where uh, the Rangers go on this, where these players go. I think it's doubtful that Strom uh, comes back at this point. I, I I can't imagine the Rangers raising their offer over the one that that he apparently rejected. And where Cop goes, I think it just depends on the number. You know, simply because or if Andrew Cop is asking for less than Strom, doesn't automatically mean that the number works. So. There are going to be some interesting decisions for jury. And, and of course, you know, the, the Rangers now have reached a point where their players are judged on playoff performances, but not not overlooking the fact that you need players in the regular season to get you to the playoffs. So, you know, that's always a very tricky line. That was, an, I think, a line the Islanders tried to walk when they uh, traded Letty, when they uh, exposed Eberly, guys who you know, hadn't risen to the task in, in the conference uh, finals for two straight years against Tampa. And so they were looking for players, I think, who, you know, were, would have been able to compete better against Tampa. Of course, they never got there because they, they didn't have, you know, those kinds of players who could score um, or generate goals during the regular season. So it's always a tightrope. You, you, you need players who, who can succeed in the playoffs, but you have to have players who can get you there. And so, uh, and that's something, you know, with whatever is going on with Panarin right now, shouldn't be overlooked that he's a player who wins games, multiple games in the regular season. Larry, I'd like to know your thoughts after watching last night's game on what 
the uh, listeners are about to see in, in game two uh, and, and watching the Rangers play, I was pleasantly surprised to see they got their game back. What I mean by that, their playmaking, their decisions with the puck. The first two periods, they played really well. They were the better team on the ice. Third period, Carolina comes back and we were expecting that going into overtime. I felt like uh, the Rangers then made some adjustment. It was fairly evenly matched. And then of course, Carolina gets that goal. Can the Rangers maintain that pace and play against Carolina, their size, their strength and all that. Can they maintain that? Does it look like the Rangers have a lot of confidence playing against this team going into game two? That's really the, the, the crux of it now going forward. Can the Rangers extend those first 38 minutes, which I thought were their most structured of the season, uh, their most disciplined of the season, their smartest of the season. Can they get back to that and can they sustain it? Or have they just let the genie out of the bottle for good? You know, because they cannot play at the pace that Carolina plays when, when the Hurricanes are relentless on the puck. They just can't. They can't match that. They, they can't match that. Uh, speed. They can't match that energy. And when Carolina gets going on their game, the Rangers are pinned in their zone for shifts and shifts at a time. And we saw that during the regular season too. When Carolina got going, the, you know, the Rangers were holding on for dear life. So it, it'll be very interesting to see whether uh, the Rangers can impose their game on Carolina which they did for almost two full periods last night, but it was ugly. And, you know, it was ugly the last 22 minutes. Um, There's a lot of good, but, you know, there was the familiar bad. Right. Well, when you look at their records, Carolina and New York Rangers, they're the two top teams uh, goals against. So they're capable of doing it. Last night's games, both teams showed a lot of discipline. There wasn't many penalties. And that's one of the things that you have to do is not take bad penalties. So knowing that if there's not many penalties and you're playing five on five, who do you think that most benefits once you get that uh, momentum going? Is that the Rangers or Carolina five on five? No, I think the Rangers need to get to the power play. They need to have buck possession. They, they need to get out into the open and force Carolina to, to, you know, to take penalties because if it's five on five all night, then then I think Carolina has the edge. If if the Rangers, you know, their their power play doesn't only, you know, it's a cliche, but you know it, you lived it. But when you have a power play that's a weapon like that, it, it you know, it not only scores goals for you, it it infuses you with confidence because your top guys, you know, are succeeding. And when your top guys are working on the power play, then the chances are they're going to be they're going to be going in on five on five too. So. It, it's very important for the Rangers, I think. It's very important for their top players to get power play minutes. And, and uh, you know, they, they haven't drawn an awful lot of penalties. So, um, you know, that would be beneficial to them, for sure. So I have a thought on Panarin, and, and you can chime in on this. What happens in the playoffs, there's a lot more structure. So you're having to think a lot more defensively. And because Panarin is such a free-spirited player, he kind of plays his own game within the system. Do you think that once you get the playoffs, there's the pressure of the playoffs, but playing according to a system, do you think he's kind of overthinking it out there where he's not being himself? I think it's possible. I mean, I, I think that's as good an explanation as any. You know, I, I, I wish I, I knew. I'm, I'm sure the Rangers wish they knew. I'm sure he wishes he knew. He knew. Um, again, maybe it's a physical issue, but, the, you know, that's a good point. Maybe he is overthinking it. And he is a player who has a very tough time simplifying things, that's for sure. You know, on the ice, is his game is, is you know, the anti-simplification. So, uh, you know, maybe. Maybe he is overthinking it. 
Alrighty, thanks for your time, Larry, and we'll chat again soon. Okay, Molly. That handsome son of a gun. All right, Ron Duguay and Molly Walker. That wraps up episode 89, the old friend, the Pavel Buchnevich edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That's a real touchy one. That's a real, real touchy one. <laughs> love, love Buchnevich. Anyways, that was a good show, Jake. Andrew Hartz, thanks for producing. And before we leave the show, I think going into game two, uh, not sure what to expect out of the Rangers. I think I do, but let's all make our predictions. Do they win or do they lose game two? Because if they're going to move on past this series, that would make a big difference. Beating them at home, tying the series and go back to New York. I'm going to say they beat them in another tight, close hockey game. The Hurricanes beat them. No, no, the Rangers win. Oh, the Rangers win. All right. I say 3-2 Rangers. 3-2 Rangers. Molly? I hate being this person, and I'm always this person, but I just think that Carolina is going to be unstoppable in game two. I think that they're really going to go pedal to the metal, and and it's not going to be something the Rangers are going to be able to handle, but I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. Well, let's hear a drum roll from Andrew, our drummer. Drum roll. (laughs) talking about. Yeah, where's the drums at today? We need some drums. Come on. Sorry, I think it's going to be 4 two hurricanes four goals against Sturkin. i don't think so i hope not i hope i'm wrong i really do listen the rangers lost game one and then won game two in round one and it's gonna happen again do us a favor give us a five-star rating write in a nice review on apple podcast give us a five-star rating on spotify as well we will be back Next Monday, we'll be back post game three at Madison Square Garden. That is 3.30 p.m. Sunday. So you get yourself a little brunch action, get some mimosas in the system and cheer on the blue shirts at the Mecca. For number 10, Ron DeGay, Molly Walker, Andrew Hart, Tom Jake Brown. We'll talk to you all Monday after game three. Let's go Rangers. For real or for real, real? Why not?